The Daily Rios Digest, October 31st, 2021. Mailbag Monday. Let's take a look at my DCBS shipment this month for books shipping mostly in September. Took me almost two weeks to open, which is just scandalous. But I finally opened the box this weekend and got everything inventoried and bagged and boarded and wanted to give a little nod to what I received here in this first segment. Uh, My pull list, as I've been mentioning, is getting lighter and lighter as I transition to DC Universe Infinite. A lot of those DC titles um, that I don't, you know, feel like I need to have in my collection, I'm just waiting until they show up on the app. I'm still not buying any Marvel at, I mean, barely any Marvel. Um, And I get some collections, especially from... Uh, some non-Big 2 stuff. Uh, They just haven't shipped yet, or there might be some delays because of this, you know, upcoming paper shortage and shipping delays, etc. So anyway, with this bunch, uh, just a few things here I wanted to make mention of. We have some new titles beginning, such as Titans United and Deathstroke Inc., uh, the first issues for both of those series. Titans United has a lineup matching the TV series. It's branded right there on the cover. Watch Titans on HBO Max. Yeah, you know, watch it if you're bored. Um, Jeff's just flipping through the issue. It feels like a lighter tale. I haven't read it. Nothing especially serious. It doesn't feel real deep in its storytelling. Looks like they're going up against a character with powers like the Parasite. And then there is a cliffhanger with Kite Man, you know. So for all of you Kite Man completists, make sure you pick up this issue. Definitely the coloring sells the artwork for sure. Rex Locus, the colorist, makes the whole book feel very bright and very comic book-like. I had one notion as I was just flipping through it and trying to recognize... Uh, or take a look at the costumes of the characters, because that's a good way to pinpoint, you know, what era are we in for the Titans universe by way of their costumes. And a lot of these costumes feel so new to me. I feel very confused looking at them because I'm just not familiar with all of these updated looks. I mean, Donna has her black jumpsuit, with the stars, but it looks like there's a lot of enhancements uh, enhancements from the movie look. And I don't know, you know, how long ago was that put onto her look. Starfire, Raven, they both look so new to me. Red Hood feels current. I, I, I feel like I've seen that before. But, you know, you can't really go by me because I'm just not caught up on a lot of comics. Deathstroke, Inc. number one. You got Deathstroke, Black Canary... Toy Man, Hiro Akamura, uh, that version of Toy Man, and they are working with Trust. I have to imagine an organization with that kind of name won't end well. 
Uh, they went up against, uh, looks like they're going up against a hive queen or queen bee. And it's got Howard Porter on pencils and inks. All of these really big chunky lines, which I really like. Uh, I always say his artwork just looks like action figures on the page or action figures come to life. I dug the look when Howard Porter was doing it way back with Grant Morrison on JLA. I like it now. Uh, yeah, I, I'm going to have fun with this book. And on the last page, they tease a couple things coming up in the future. And one of the, one of the panels looks like Black Canary and Deathstroke are in the ghost zone, maybe? which was something that Grant Morrison created for the character of Prometheus. So that looked kind of cool. Uh, and then I also have a bunch of titles that are ending here. So we got like Rorschach number 12, which is ended. I should have received uh, Strange Adventures 12, but I guess that's coming in my next shipment. So we have two Tom King series wrapping up. Supergirl is, is currently running. Human Target is starting soon. I can't wait for that. Helm Greycastle number four, the final issue of that miniseries from Image Comics. And then also Infinite Crisis number six, the last issue of that. Love that cover. Uh, that cover sporting a pretty distinct uh, cover homage to Crisis on Infinite Earths number five with all of the floating heads. And then that ending. Uh, as I flip through it and look at the ending, people have been tweeting at me and sending messages, have you seen the end of Infinite Crisis number six? Now, online, people were really focusing on Darkseid and the phrase that Darkseid utters um, with a nod to Legion of Superheroes. And as, as I saw it, I was like, oh, there it is. That's the thing people are talking about. Not only is it a nod to Legion of Superheroes, but also Alan Moore's Swamp Thing. Yeah. But the rest of the pages, I have to imagine that's really what people were pointing out to me. You know, as a crisis kid, something is coming in 2022. It could be crisis related, could be flash related, could be pre-crisis related. Um, I was trying to scope out if 2022 was the anniversary for anything major multiverse-wise, but nothing really jumped out on a quick search, so I guess we're going to have to see. And then I also got this month the, the uh, Wonder Woman 80th anniversary 100-page spectacular. DC put out a one-shot called Are You Afraid of the Dark Side, which looks fun. Beast Boy Loves Raven. This is the third young adults uh, book featuring the Teen Titans characters by Garcia and Piccolo. And then some other odds and ends, including Suicide Squad number seven of the most recent volume, the current volume, featuring and sporting there on the cover, my boy Ambush Bug. Love that guy. Love Ambush Bug. So there you go, uh, my, my shipment of new comics. Ah, it's like a gift every month. My name is Brett Scott, and I am the host of Marvel Plus. What's Marvel Plus, you ask? Marvel Plus is a companion podcast for the Disney Plus Marvel series. Each week, a special guest co-host and I will recap, break down, and review the latest episode of the MCU-connected Disney Plus series, and we dig deep. 
Along with discussing the episode of the week, we explore fan theories, dig into the comic book source material, and speculate on how the current story ties into the bigger picture of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. If you love the MCU, you will love this podcast. Add Marvel Plus to your favorites and get new episodes every Monday. Talk Back Tuesday. As a follow-up to uh, the release of the Daily Rios episode 528, which was a Timeline Tuesday episode, uh, Mr. Mike Atchison, who was a guest on that uh, episode, has sent in a voice clip with a few more thoughts on a couple of John early John Stewart comics. And these were notes that Mike had prepared for that particular episode, but just weren't, you know, wasn't able to get to the notes. So I said, hey, put it in a voice uh, audio, you know, clip and send it over. I'd be happy to play it. It's one less, <laughs> one less segment I have to do. And you can do this too. If you have a audio response to something from one of the digests or the Daily Rios, or something that's not even connected to anything I'm talking about here, and you just have a random thought that you feel like you want to share, and maybe you want reactions to my reaction or the listeners' reactions, send it my way, and I will include it uh, here in a Talk Back Tuesday. Uh, so yes, um, definitely appreciative of Mike uh, for doing this. Um, this is, I believe, the second one now. Uh, in a Talk Back Tuesday segment, so I, I would love to just hear more, you know, and I'll just play it, and, you know, people will, will listen to it. So here you go. Take it away, Mike. Hello, Peter. I thought I'd take your advice and maybe pass along some of my other notes that I'd taken uh, in anticipation of our recording uh, and discussion about the 50th anniversary of the first appearance of Jon Stewart and some uh, subsequent, you know, early appearances of them. Uh, I, even though I considered Justice League of America 110 from 1974 being the first story I remember reading him, uh, reading about him, it was a back issue. But the first new issues that I remember him in were Green Lantern 94 and 95 in 1977. And this was after the 1976 relaunch of the title after a four-year break between issues 89 and 90, uh, keeping the same numbering, which I always liked uh, when that happened. Uh, and it was also in the, uh, the Mike Grell era of art on the title, covers and interior. And some of those covers are really burned into my brain um, and into my memory. In fact, the whole Green Lantern slash Green Arrow logo design to me is one of the classics and one of my favorites. And it's just, I just, it has such positive memories for me. So really hit me in the nostalgia bone going through these issues again. So just a quick recap or a synopsis of this two-part story, 94, 95. Uh, how Jordan uh, was saving Green Arrow from being captured uh, by a government spy agency uh, and falls ill so Oliver, uh, assuming that this was a an alien illness, he decides to get a hold of John Stewart to take Hal to the Guardians for a cure. Green Arrow goes undercover by shaving his beard, 
and the organization that tried to kidnap him uh, or infiltrate the organization that tried to kidnap him. In the meantime, the bad guys capture Black Canary, Black Canary, who I would say is, was a little too easy um, for them to do that. Uh, Canary had followed Oliver unbeknownst to him as he was going after this uh, spy agency. And this agency is called the Federal Intelligence Agency, and they wanted to blackmail Green Arrow to work for them, or um, they would kill Canary, who at this point is strapped onto two gears that would basically tear in two if the switch was thrown. So having no choice, Oliver agrees, but he has a plan. Um, he finds out that they want him to actually assassinate the president, which the head of this agency called uh, a traitor uh, for providing aid to poor countries. Yes, that's true. That was the reason they decided he was a, a traitor to the country. So meanwhile, in space, John Stewart is carrying the unconscious Jordan, and they run across a black hole or a neutron star, and they're about to be drawn into it, but they're rescued by a couple of aliens passing by. They, uh, they take Hal and um, John to their ship, and they use a device which heals uh, John or Hal uh, basically by forcing Hal to confront his greatest fear, which was sort of a surprise because, you know, he's supposed to be without fear at this point. Uh, but actually Hal's, it's a psychological affliction and Hal's fear was his own perception of himself as being inadequate. So the aliens, after curing Hal, they take them back to Earth. And at this point, Green Arrow's, uh, He's designed a special bow uh, that can fire an arrow 200 yards, and it contained some paralysis, temporary paralysis gas that um, wouldn't kill the president, but would disable the president and his men. And also because this head of the FIA, the intelligence agency, um, uh, because he was within the radius of this gas, he would also be paralyzed and wouldn't be able to press the button that would kill Black Canary. So. The two green, two green Lanterns uh, arrive back on Earth and at the scene, and the four of them, um, they roused up all the bad guys. All those agents are apprehended, and uh, end of story, John goes back to his sort of limbo of being that backup Green Lantern. So uh, I had read it years ago. I reread it, read, read these stories uh, just in the last week or so, and they were so much fun, I thought I'd bring them up and maybe even recommend them to the listeners or to you or to anyone else. Um, uh, just kind of some Bronze Age fun. So anyway, thanks for the indulgence and I'll talk to you soon. Take care. New Comics Wednesday. Comic book recommendations for the week of October 27th. First from Ad House Books, I assume one of the final projects that uh, is coming out from Ad House because that publishing line is slowly coming to an end. This is Comrade Kill by Patrick Sparrow for $14.95. A Cold War super soldier accidentally wakes from a cryogenic freeze long after the war has ended to find out his existence is now meaningless. Being too dumb to reconcile this, he goes out into the wild to satisfy a pointless mission that no one asked him to do. 
sounds like a certain, you know, star-spangled character, right? This is gory, it's irreverent, it feels like, it feels like an 11-year-old read, like, an issue of martial law, and then decided to go create their own feverish comic book, some over-the-top slugfest comic book, right? As I flip through it here, uh, as I flip through some preview pages, so go give that a look. And then from Scout Comics, we have The Impure, uh, a graphic novel. Uh, it's a collection of a miniseries, I believe four issues, for $14.99 by Ralph Singh, Hans uh, Radke, Mark Schmitz. When Castor, the planet Castor, is destroyed by aliens, Nero and Minerva decided to join the dreaded Impure, living weapons who are created by merging elite soldiers with godlike beings. When Minerva unexpectedly betrays her brother and all they ever believed in, it falls to Nero to stop his sister before she reaches the alien alliance. And can he stop her before what she stole can turn the tides of war and spell humanity's downfall? It's the story of a devoted soldier in an interstellar war whose world begins to fall apart while he begins to question his own loyalty. Looking at the artwork, it has a very, um, you know, manga-esque um, um, presence to it, uh, even though it doesn't, you know, obviously it's not coming out from a country that produces manga generally. Uh, but, it, you know, has a little sci-fi bent to it, which I, which I always appreciate. From DC, we have the Batman Long Halloween special celebrating 25 years. Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale returning to that story uh, and returning to that mystery, but apparently with a twist, that's $7.99. From Boom Studios, we have House of Slaughter number 1 by James Tynan IV, Tate Bromble, Werther De La Dera, uh, Chris Sheehan, Discover the inner workings of the House of Slaughter in this new horror series exploring the secret history of the Order that forged Erica Slaughter into the monster hunter she is today. And this is diving into the world of um, the title uh, Something is Killing the Children, and that's $3.99. And finally, from Black Mask, we have Last Born, the trade paperback, collecting four issues, $16.99, Patrick Meany, Eric Zadowitsky. Her whole life, Julia has yearned for adventure, and when she falls through a rupture in space-time, she finally gets her wish. What if the Big Bang was not the first of its kind, and more importantly, not the last? Last Born is a cosmological adventure that'll twist your brain with its mind-bending tale of apocalyptic hope punk. And the artwork in this one is... Well, the first artist that came to mind was Mike Allred. I mean, it's not exactly in that style and in that flavor, but there's a certain whimsical nature to it that underneath that I was like, oh, that feels like... When I read a Mike Allred book, I get the same kind of um, attachment to the artwork. So, uh, and again, another title that is hitting uh, just areas in comics that I that I really enjoy. So I wanted to give that a shout out. And that's it for your comic book 
recommendations for this week. I really need to get back to some reading uh, because I want to read some more current things. I'd love to read. Uh, I, I can't remember. I think there's like two more issues of Kang that are out. So yeah, definitely want to get some more reading done, not only for like an upcoming Wednesday Night Fever segment, but even some daily reads and some um, Why the Last Man I need to get back to. So look for that in upcoming digests. Tell me his name again. Thanos. I think I shall call him. Adam. But return to me again empty-handed, and I will bathe the starways in your blood. Thanks, Dad. Sounds fair. Korvac's power grows, as does his madness. He would have destroyed us all, had I not pulled us into the Soul Gem. Then Thanos, I'm coming for you. After Xandar, you're going to kill my father? You dare to oppose me? You see what he has turned me into? You kill him, I will help you destroy a thousand planets. It's all right, Adam. We're here to help. Just stay cool. Ugh! I don't want to be here! Resurrections, an Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast. Five years and going strong. Every other week mostly. For all of your Adam Warlock, Thanos, or Marvel Cosmic needs, find it on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever else podcasts are available. Resurrectionsadamwarlock.tumblr.com Adam Warlock, you cannot keep leaving your philosophy books open on the floor. I always trip on them in the middle of the night on my way to the cab. From the mouth of Frank Herbert. I was almost a historian. I seriously considered being a historian. And while I was in the throes of this decision, I came on the idea that leaders <clears throat> amplify the mistakes. Their, their mistakes are amplified by the numbers who follow them without question. And charismatic leaders tend to build up followings, power structures, and those power structures tend to be taken over by people who are corruptible. I don't think that the old saw about uh, power corrupting and absolute power mm. corrupting absolutely is accurate. I think power attracts the corruptible. Dune is conceived of as a, as a planet that is totally desert, so that water on it is the metaphor of, say, oil here, uh, very appropriate at the moment. Uh, it is a metaphor of uh, clean air, metaphor of water itself, I mean, potable water. And it's a metaphor for the shortages that we are encountering because of overpopulation. Mm. And the story is uh, told in, uh, in terms of, the, of people who are recognizable. You'd recognize these people, but they live in a culture that is somewhat different. The, the thing that has often been aimed at it is that it's philosophical fiction rather than science fiction. My own view of it is that, uh, okay, we call it science fiction. I have friends for, uh, I've had friends for years who write science fiction and who object to your saying 
sci-fi or SF. <clears throat> and I joke with them. I said, when somebody says sci-fi, I say, oh, we say skiffy. <laughs> but <clears throat> I don't care what they call it, you see. I don't care as long as they can find it on the bookshelf, under that little label on the shelf that says science fiction. Creating the characters for Dune, I went to uh, uh, the Messiah story that's so strong in our, in our mythology. But I wasn't going to do the Jesus story. I went to the Arthurian legend, and I was trying to create a mythology that would give people a different view of how we give over our lives to leaders. Not just to messiahs, but to people who who pose as our leaders, who, who make themselves our leaders, or who entice us into following them. I think people are responding to leadership overtures out of a very deep-seated, instinctual process that goes back to our tribal roots. When we were tribesmen and possibly evolved into the wise old men who led the tribe, if we lived long enough, and I think that this is something we, uh, that just comes with the, with the genes. We're born with it. And it's a very dangerous thing in this day and age because technology has given us the tools of self-destruction. And if you put those tools in the hands of sick leaders, then we're really in trouble. Do not show the slightest pity or mercy. Five for Friday, Twitter edition. These are some topics, some subjects, some works that caught my eye this week on Twitter. First up, Kevin Mellon, a uh, pretty great guy, pretty great artist that, um, you know, we met during the early CGS days, I believe down in Heroes Con, and Kevin was on a bunch of CGS episodes. Well, Kevin is putting out a sketchbook, a 2021 sketchbook, print, print or digital, collecting drawings, digital drawings, sketchbook pages, rough figure gestures, life drawings, concepts, concept pieces. Uh, there is some nudity in this. 68 pages plus cover, manga digest size. 20 bucks for print, and you do get a digital PDF with that. And you can get a signature. If you want a quick head sketch on the cover, it'll be $40. If you want a, fi a single figure sketch, that'll be $70. And then the shipping will be added onto that at checkout. And shipping is in the contiguous U.S. So um, go check out Kevin Mel Mellon's Twitter. Go check out the sketchbook. I will have links for all of these uh, things here uh, for this uh, Five for Friday Twitter edition. The second one is the Power Principle Kickstarter, which as of this recording is ending in a little bit more than a week. Volume 2, The Director's Cut by Alan White. And this collects issues 9 through 12, which is, uh, you know, these issues are being updated, and also the never-before-published issue 13. It has a little more than $1,000 to go. I would love to see this reach its goal. So please, if you can, support. Or if you can't support, just share. Just share it on your social media and see if other people will help to support 
power principle to reach its goal. Alan White, another uh, member of the CGS family from, from way, 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 way back. From Barry Nugent from Geek Syndicate, the Geek Syndicate podcast. Uh, he has a book out right now called Trail of the Cursed Cobras. There's a special hardback edition, number to 100 copies, includes an all-new prologue and also character profiles uh, with art by Connor Boyle. And this story is about, um, it's 1982 and five kids from a North London comprehensive school are fighting the end of the world. Dodging faceless demons, trying to save the world, being hassled by your dead mom. It's just another school day for Bobby Gibson and Ada Amaya. An ill-advised shortcut pulls the 12-year-olds into a deadly plot involving secret agents, an ageless sorcerer, and an artifact of devastating power. As the children race against time to solve the mystery, they must face their fears, outwit their foes, battle monsters born of shadow and nightmare, and make their way through traps to the heart of it all, the Apocalypse Chamber. This is a middle uh, school grade fiction releasing in November, and I believe you can, uh, as I said, you can met, you can order it through uh, Barry Nugent's website, or you can order at, um, if you're outside of the UK, you can contact Barry at barry at unseenshadows.com. Any orders after October 31st uh, will arrive after the November release date. And of course, with shipping being delayed and all of that stuff, um, you know, you just have to, you just have to give people some leeway when it comes to turnaround times. The fourth one here, this one comes from the Twitter page of Joanna Pang Atkins, who was one of the kid stars on the ISIS TV show, Mighty ISIS or The Secrets of ISIS. And she tweeted out, sad to post that Joanna Cameron, the mighty Isis, has flown to heaven. She suffered a stroke and passed away from complications. Uh, we shared, uh, she says, we shared the wonderful lasting experience of making the secrets of Isis. May she rest in peace. And included a photo with Joanna and Joanna and Brian Cutler. Uh, and apparently Joanna Cameron passed away on October 15th at the age of 73 if you know the mighty Isis or Isis, it was the first, apparently, the first weekly American live-action television series with a female superhero lead character. Joanna Cameron played Andrea Thomas, who would then become Isis. Isis is like one of my, um, I, I say recent, like within the last 20 years, one of my favorite characters that spawned out of the... 52 weekly series and uh, I, I I loved her role in that series and what she meant to Black Adam and then the character of Zari Tomaz on the CW series Legends of Tomorrow is inspired by Isis both the comic book version and the television version including the amulet and sometimes I think one or two times she wore a costume that was definitely evocative of the old 70s TV show. Uh, so a character that I, I, I really enjoyed. And 
just when I saw that tweet, uh, you know, I was like, oh, that's that's sad. That's sad. Um, Joanna Cameron was was beautiful. Catherine Zeta Jones in her younger days probably could have played Joanna Cameron in a biopic. Uh, so yeah, so, so I saw that notification and I, I thought I would pass that along. Speaking of 52 of the weekly, uh, 52 series that was released in 2006 and 2007, go check out Longbox Review, the Longbox Review podcast, but not the podcast, go check out the website because Eric, uh, my co-host on the Legion Project is putting out, uh, posts about the 52 weekly series issue by issue to celebrate Eric's uh, 52, 52nd birthday, I believe. And um, Eric is up to number week 43. And Eric is doing, you know, some, some thoughts about the issue and taking a tally of uh, events week to week. I love that series. I mean, people who know me or have listened for a long time podcasts that I've put out know that I love the 52 series. Those run of episodes that we did on Comic Geek Speak about the 50, about 52 were so enjoyable and I got such a kick out of trying to solve the mystery ahead of time. Uh, those were fun episodes and it's a series I've been longing to go back to as well at some point. So once Eric gets done with all of his posts, um, uh, you know, I've been I'm I'm way behind in reading them, but uh, you know I love the 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 speculation and the thoughts behind it. Um, uh, I you know it, it's probably a series I should really reread at some point. So so go go check that out. Go check out everything I mentioned here on the Five for Friday Twitter edition. I will have links in the show notes, and that closes out this week of the Daily Rios Digest. Happy Halloween, by the way. Um, be safe. <laughs> uh, you can email email me, Peter, at thedailyrios.com or go to the website, thedailyrios.com to leave a comment. Follow the Twitter, Peter J. Rios. Follow the Instagram, the Daily Rios Instagram. If you are a podcaster, please, by all means, send over a promo. Um, I would love to get some new podcasts to promo, uh, to put in here as bumpers, as you heard in this episode. And it's getting closer and closer to a new year, 2022, and I always find that people start new podcasts around the start of a new year. So if you have something in the works, feel free to send it over, peter at thedailyrios.com. This has been The Daily Rios episode number 529, the 17th Digest for October 31st, 2021. Talk to you soon. 3,000 years later, a young science teacher dug up this lost treasure and found she was heir to the secrets of Isis. And so, unknown to even her closest friends, Rick Mason and Cindy Lee, she became a dual person, Andrea Thomas, teacher. Oh, my Jesus. And Isis.